0: Yes, ma'am. So glad you could make it out today. Do you like free stuff? Is it your first time here? Grab a connection card from the chair in front of you. Fill it out and take it to Guest Central for free stuff. Hope to connect with you soon. If you were just saved or seeking to grow your faith, starting next week, September 18th, our Growth Track classes kick off at 9 a.m. in Classroom 101. There is still time to sign up at the information desk we are excited to see you there and expect lives to grow in the faith of Jesus Christ. Amen. I said I feel the Holy Spirit already, man. Oh, man, I am really, really blessed to have my good friend. I feel like I have a budding relationship with this man. And I was telling you all this morning, what's so fun for me as a minister is to just learn and glean from a man of God. And uh, he's already made an impression in my life. I told him if I had gone to Bible school with him, because he went to Ramah and I went down the street to ORU, and had I been there with him in those days, I would have hung out with him. <laughs> I'm just blessed. So um, how good has it been just to be in God's presence these last couple of days? And uh, I want to just thank Brother Ted and Sister Carolyn the whole family for coming up in places like Montana, where not many people come. So we're so grateful to have you, so grateful for your ministry, so grateful that you're here in the house of God. Will you give him a, ha- a hand? Praise the Lord. Well, let's give Jesus a hand of praise if you love him tonight. Amen. Man, I'm so glad to see you tonight. I'm excited about what God's going to do. How many believe God has a plan to bless our families? Can you say Amen. I want to say a big thank you to Sister Carl and the team. What a phenomenal job they did. Would you put your hands together and thank them for their service and their worship? Phenomenal. And I'll tell you, the team at this church has done great all week, so would you please make them feel appreciated, the time that they've taken, and um, it's important. People volunteer their time. They take time uh, that they could be spending with their families, and they dedicate themselves to the house of God. God blesses that. Amen. I told somebody today, if you put God first, he'll put you first. Amen. Put God first, he'll put you first. Uh, the Lord put a word on my heart for tonight, and as I said this morning, we're going to be praying and believing God for your family, and we're going to anoint you with oil. I Hopefully, we've got some oil somewhere. If not, somebody can run to Albertsons. We can get some whatever we got to get. Get some Crisco. I don't care what we get. Just get... Get something. (laughs) Just know we might grease you up, but we're not going to fry you. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. But we're going to anoint you with oil tonight and pray and believe God that in these final months of 2022, we're going to see a supernatural increase in our homes, our families, our children are going to be blessed, our grandchildren are going to be blessed, and we refuse to fall prey to the spirit of this world, the Antichrist agenda. It will not, as I preached this morning, it will not touch our homes in Jesus' name. Can you shout aloud amen? And so God has a plan to bless our families, and he's interested in blessing families. He's the creator of of the family unit. God is the one that instituted family in the earth, and he blesses family. Can you say amen? Before we open and I'll, I'll have you open with me to Psalm uh, 115. Let's go to Psalm 115. That's where I'm going to begin tonight, and then I'll read you a few other verses as well before we minister to you. But as you're turning there, let me just make a couple of announcements uh, to you. Number one, if you've not gotten an opportunity to grab one of these magazines on the back table, we put these out every quarter. It's absolutely free. We'd be happy to send one to you. We mail them out as well every quarter. And if you'd like to sign up to receive this, you can go to our website, which is miracleword.com, and you can sign up on the website, and we will be happy to send you this every time it comes out. We've got a brand new one that's getting ready to be dropped in the mail in just really a few days for the fall. But uh, if you weren't here on the service that I mentioned this testimony, or this morning when my wife mentioned it, we put the testimony in this magazine. This was a creative miracle, a creative miracle. This woman in Crawfordsville, Indiana, she came forward to receive prayer, and she gave us her testimony, and my wife brought it up this morning. She initially was coming for, what was it, her kidneys? Her kidneys needed a touch, but when she was born, if you were here, I shared her story. When she was born and got to be toddler age, one of her lungs stopped developing at toddler age. Her other lungs stopped developing at six years old. And here's a full-grown woman going around with two child-sized lungs. And it resulted in many respiratory issues, disease problems. So she's always at the doctor's office. Well, we laid hands on her that night, went back into the doctor. They said, we have to always test you for pneumonia and other things. And when her doctor came back in the room, she's looking at her chart. She Said, I'm looking at your chart. I can't find that you're on any medication you're supposed to be on for a lung transplant. And she said, Doctor, I've not had a a lung transplant. She said, No, I've got your x-rays. You have two full-size lungs in your chest. She said, Don't tell me you've not had a transplant. And she said, Oh, about that. She said, I was at revival at my church last week and they prayed for me. God gave me two brand new lungs. Doctor looked at her like she was nuts. But the other lady in the room said, no, God can do that. God's a miracle worker. And we put her full testimony in this magazine. We try to uh, include what God's doing around the nation, around the world, and we write articles to build your faith and show you what the Word of God says for now. Can you say amen? So grab one of those for you. Go. And when you go back there, check this out. Um, We put out a brand-new book this year. Of course, last year we made you aware of... Uh, the fact that we wrote that book, a complete guide to biblical fasting, and as you know, that we uh, every year we lead a 21-day fast at the beginning of the year, and then fasting throughout the year. But this year, we released something that the Lord asked me to do for those that join us. On fasting and prayer, and it's this 21 day fast field guide. It's a 21 day devotional that leads you through those 21 days of fasting and prayer. And every day there's a word to encourage you, there's a Bible reading plan included. We have prayer points included. So this will be a huge resource. It'll build your faith, but it'll also help guide you through your times of fasting and prayer. You know, one of the things that I've discovered is when you fast and pray, I had somebody say to me one time, Man, I'd really love to fast and pray more, but when I do it, I just get so hungry. I said, well, that will happen. That will happen. That's a little known side effect of fasting. But as you're doing it, as you're fasting and praying, one of the things that you got to recognize is you can't just not eat. You have to feed yourself spiritually as you are fasting and praying. You've got to pray. It's not, fa- it's not fasting alone. That's just starving." Amen. That's just a hunger strike. But it's fasting and prayer. And when you fast and pray, that prayer is very vital, but it's also vital to ingest the word of God as you pray and fast. You know, Jesus said it this way. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You know what Jesus was saying? He was saying those words that come out, that spiritual bread. Glory to God. That spiritual bread. Notice Jesus said that about himself. Who was he? The word made flesh. But what did he say? I am the bread that is come down from heaven. Hallelujah. The word of God is supernatural bread for your spirit, man. And as you fast and pray, I have found that if you have a steady uh, content of word going into your spirit, it makes all the difference in the world in your fasting and prayer time. God will show you things you've never seen before as you read the word of God. And so grab one of those. There's all kinds of resources back there that will help you. And of course, we're not receiving an offering right now, but I want to ask you to pray if you would. We're getting ready to do some of the biggest things we've ever done in our ministry. God has so expanded us, as you know, gave us a television studio. We're now on television in 180-plus nations of the world every week. But we've even outgrown the space God's given us. So we're going to continue to push forward. People are being saved and discipled every single week. But now I realize even more than ever, Jesus is coming soon and there's work to be done. And so I want you to pray, if you would, and say, Lord, would I be one of those that you're calling to stand with Ted and Carolyn in partnership? And if you feel that way, take one of these with you. This trifle brochure that's on the back table shows all that we're doing in the ministry but gives you ways that you can connect with us as well and sow that seed monthly or however you feel to do it, and we say thank you ahead of time for those of you that are standing with us. I know we already have partners that are in this church, and we say we thank you and we love you, Appreciate you standing with us. What I'm believing is the same blessing God blessing blesses us with for doing the work of the ministry, he'll bless you with for sending the work of the ministry. Can you say amen? And so Psalm 115, God has a plan to bless our families. Hallelujah. You know, I love people. I don't mind telling you I love people. I love to be around people. I love to engage with people. And uh, I'm on the friendlier side than I am more the standoffish side. I'm not the, you know, withdrawn introvert. I'm the extroverted, friendly guy that's always wanting to know everything you've ever done in your life when we talk. And, uh, you know, I would have been great at multi-level marketing. But anyway... It's like I was with a preacher. He gave a testimony. He said, folks, I want to give you a great testimony. He said, a potato farmer just blessed our ministry with thousands of sweet potatoes. He said, we have them in the back, and we'd like you to help us distribute them. We're setting up a new network. It's called Yamway. And so he he had them in the back. But anyway... I'm one of those that likes to engage with people. I like to be around people. And I was preaching one time. I mean, I believe you should show the love of God, obviously, to everybody you come across. And uh, you got to check, though, to make sure you're in the right place. I flew to Newark, New Jersey to do a meeting, and I'd never been to this church before. And I called the pastor. I said, how will I know who you're sending to pick me up? It was a, a Spanish church there in the city. He said, oh, you'll know him. He said, he's a Latin American brother. He'll pull up. He's in a white Camry. He'll motion to you. He'll pull right up to the curb. I said, this is great. And so I got my bags, landed in Newark after I went out on the curb, and I'm standing there waiting. And all of a sudden, here comes the white Camry. It's a Latin American brother, and he waves me down like that. Well, I came right up to the car, opened the door, put my bags in. I got in the front seat. I said, brother, it's so good to see you. I leaned over, gave him a big hug. I said, man, this is going to be a powerful week of revival. You excited? And he's leaning away from me like this, just looking at me. I said, come on. I said, you excited, God? I said, we're going to go straight to the church. I said, God's going to move. And he said, Richardson. And I said, no, no, it's pronounced Shuttlesworth. I'm Ted Shuttlesworth. I said, I'm here. I'm here for the meeting this week. And I hug him real tight again. I said, man, I'm excited. I mean, a Holy Ghost is moving. And he's leaning back with wide eyes now looking at me. Why does this dude keep hugging me and touching me like that? He said, again, Richardson. I said, no, no, brother. I'm the guest speaker. I'm Ted Shuttlesworth. And then I look forward, and on his dash is the Uber logo. And I realize this is not the brother from the church. And I quickly jumped out of the vehicle and grabbed my bags and, left him with wide eyes in the sight of the Uber. He must have thought, man, this guy's excited to get an Uber ride. I've never seen somebody so excited. But, you know, I can't help it. I love people, <laughs> whether they know me or not. I love them. <laughs> and it's important to understand the love of God is transferred. You know, when you carry the love of God, you carry the power of God. The love of God is the power of God. You know what's interesting? The Bible says God is love. God is love. When you step outside of love, you step outside of God. That's why the Bible says in Galatians 5 that faith works by love. One of the things that we recognize is if if the devil can get you out of walking in love, he can get you out of faith. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. But your faith functions through love. That's why the devil works hard to get people into bitterness, into, you know, strife and fighting and problems and all these issues, divisions that come into the church. Why? Because he wants you to hold grudges. He wants you to hold things against people. He wants you to walk in bitterness. Why? Because he doesn't want God to move in your life. I can remember my father told a story. He was it was the one of the very first years he'd ever ministered. He and my mother had just been married. Comes into the, it was one of their first revivals and he comes into the church and that was scheduled for multiple days. Comes into the church and he stands to the preach for the very first time in this church. I mean imagine this. He stands up to preach and the Lord speaks to his spirit and says they're not ready to receive or have revival in this church. Tell them all to repent and you'll be back tonight to start the revival. I mean, they just handed the mic over to him. And so he got up, he said, folks, I'm not going to preach to you today. The Lord says you're to repent, and I'll be back tonight to start the revival. Put the mic, he said, Bonnie, come on, we're leaving. And they literally went out the door, walked up the center aisle, went out, found a diner, and had some lunch. And uh, he didn't know what happened, but came back that night, and the pastor gave him the testimony of what had happened. He said, Brother Ted, you wouldn't have known this, because you're not from this church. He said, but our church is filled with two large families. And he said, they have been uh, in strife, uh, one family against the other for years. And I mean, so long that they probably didn't even remember what started the fight. But you have one family sits on one side of the church, and one family sits on the other side, and they won't even speak to each other. They won't look at each other. I mean, act like you're not even there. And he said, it's been a a hard friction in our church for years. He said, but the Lord gave you that word this morning, that they need to repent, and they're not ready for revival, that you'd be back tonight. He said, you left the building. He said, but when you did, it was quiet for a while. I said, but then, he said, people started standing up on both sides of the church, weeping. And stepped across the aisle and they began to hug one another and they started to repent to one another, begin to make make up with one another. And he said, a, a, an atmosphere of love and peace hit the church. Well, he t- came back, and I mean revival started that night, and they had a blowout that week. Power of God hit the place. I mean, miracle, signs, and wonders. The pastor got up at the end of the week. He said, Folks, this is the best state this church has been in during my entire time pastoring here. I'm submitting my resignation and leave it on a high. (laughs) And he did. And I'm going to tell you something, that love walk is necessary to see the breakthroughs that you're believing for. Faith works by love. Amen. And when you love God, watch this now. This is integral to what I'm saying tonight. When you love God, you put him first. You know, we hear a lot of preaching about walking in love toward each other. But have you ever thought about this? The number one commandment of the new covenant is love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. That's the first. The second is love your neighbor as yourself. But the first, love the Lord your God. Let me tell you, if you love God, if you're walking in love toward him, then you will put God first above anything else. I know it gets quiet when you preach like this. I've preached. I tell tell people, you know why some of our children grow up? Amen. It's important because we've lived our lives as though church isn't important. Amen. We've shown them. See, kids don't go by what you say. They're being taught by what you do. And they'll say, you know, oh, yeah, we're sold out to God, but not sold out enough to continue to go to church during travel baseball. Woo! I know it gets tight in these moments right here. It gets very tight. But we've taught them, oh, yeah, we go to church as long as there's not something better to do. We go to church as long as there's not vacation or it's not nice enough to go to the lake or we go to church as long as something else more important is not going on. And then people wonder, how come our kids grow up and they leave church, but because they've seen that picture that church is secondary to whatever else is going on, that God is secondary to whatever else is going on. We have to make up our minds like Joshua did. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Hallelujah. Because let me tell you, we might not be bound down to actual pagan idols in America, but we've created our own idols in this nation of things that have been put over God. We may not be going to some stone statue and offering sacrifices and bowing down to a false god, but anything that you put before God becomes a god in your life. If there are things that are more important to me than what God is doing, then I'm being controlled by that thing. For example, like the things I've mentioned, there's other instances like that where people, you know what, one thing people put before God is making money. There's people, and I know this is, kind. I'm not preaching like an evangelist right now. I've kind of gone over into the pastoral mode, but you know what, that's Pastor Elizabeth's fault because she said Pastor Ted tonight. And so (laughs) she said that, she opened it up. And when she opened up that can of worms, no. (laughs) And I'm going to tell you something is we we see that often. People get more into making money. So you know what they'll do? They'll work seven days a week, and they'll work on the Lord's Day, and they won't go to the house of God. They'll take overtime shifts, and they'll make more money. And they'll say, well, I can go to church later. But that just shows God you're more interested in making money than you are coming to my house. It shows God you're more interested in sports, travel, baseball, vacation. You're more interested in other things than you are my house. And see, if we let Of God. We'll put God first above anything else. Can you shout amen? We'll put God first above anything else. And that's so very important because when you start to realize that God's the only one who can bring increase. Let me give you this from Psalm 75 verses 6 and 7. Before we hit Psalm 115, Psalm 75 verses 6 and 7 says that promotion does not come from the east or the west or the south, but promotion comes from the Lord and he alone decides who will rise and who will fall. So the question we ask ourselves is how does he determine who will rise and who will fall? Well, the Bible tells us in 2 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse number 9. It says that the eyes of the Lord are searching to and fro across the whole earth to find people whose hearts are turned toward him. He said on their behalf. I will show myself strong and mighty. Oh, hallelujah. Let me ask you a question tonight. How many of you would like God to show himself strong in your life, mighty in your life? You know what that means? When God shows up in your life and shows himself strong and mighty, every enemy has to flee from you. When God's presence shows up, and is activated, every wicked thing that presented an obstacle in your life, that presented a harassment in your life, has to loose its grip and let you go because of the presence of the Most High God. The Bible says, in His presence is fullness of joy. So that means depression and anxiety have to go when His presence shows up. You know what it says in 2 Corinthians 3.17? Now the Lord is a spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Hallelujah. So whatever bound you, whatever stayed on you for so many years, when the presence of God is activated, everything that presents bondage or locks you in an invisible prison has to loose you and let you go because of the presence of the Most High God. When I put God first, He puts me first. Glory to God. I've not had one day. Of chronic depression. You know why? Because I stay steady praising him and worshiping him. And he comes and inhabits the praises of his people. And when he inhabits your praises, his presence is activated. And in that presence, glory to God, is fullness of joy. And at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Glory to God. I feel the Holy Ghost in here tonight. I said hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I don't reserve my praise for Sunday morning. I'll praise them all through the week. I'll dance on Monday. I'll shout on a Tuesday. Hallelujah. Oh yeah. My wife, if I'm if I'm traveling with just, you know, my nephew or my my associate, Zach, and she's home with the kids, she'll turn the live stream on and she'll watch the services. And when we're praising like we are, she'll call the kids into the room. She'll say, get ready. It's time to praise God and I'll get videos after them dancing around the living room and shouting and praising God. They'll get My wife will get a wooden spoon out of the drawer in the kitchen. They sing into it like a microphone. Singing, shouting. Why? Because we don't reserve our praise for Sunday morning. We don't just praise God in the four walls of the church. Praise is a lifestyle that you take with you wherever you go. I worship wherever I am. I pray, And I'm not ashamed to praise Him. There was one time that I... Uh, started to debate with the Lord a little bit. I was, and maybe you've heard me share this, but I had to get over myself. I went to Planet Fitness. You know, I had a Planet Fitness membership because I'll, you know, I'll work out like one, two times a year. And so I was in there and I, I, my wife said, you got to cancel that because you're paying every month and you don't go. So, you know, I did. And uh, she really had to twist my arm. So I went, you know, when you go into one of them Planet Fitness places, they got all those treadmills. I mean, like 90 of them. I mean, there's everywhere. And there's people walking and running. And I walked down the line, and I could hear their music and all their headphones. You know, some people heavy metal. Some people rock, pop. Others hip-hop. Others talk radio. And there's all listening to something as they're running or walking. I, had a, I thought I had a great idea. I was like, I'll put my phone on the treadmill, and I'll put on YouTube and listen to Holy Ghost preaching. And so here i was still playing at fitness full of people, and I got my phone up on the treadmill, and I put on one of my favorite Pentecostal preachers who's going on to be with the Lord. He was the head of the Church of God in Christ. His name was Bishop G.E. Patterson. And I put him on, and, man, he got preaching about the blood of Jesus. And I felt the anointing just kind of coming right up, bubbling up in me. And I was like, oh, man, people know me around here. I mean, this is my hometown, I was like, I can't be having a praise break in Planet Fitness. And so, and I, and I thought, we'll get this solved. And I bumped the speed up on the treadmill to about seven. Now I'm really, and it, it didn't help. It didn't, it didn't even help. I thought I'd run the anointing out like it was just energy. But he kept preaching, and I kept feeling the anointing, and the Spirit of God bubbling up on the inside of me. And I, now I'm debating with the Lord. Come on, Jesus, not here. Lord, I'm, you know, I'm dignified. Hallelujah. And I heard the spirit speak to me. You know what he said? He said, you're ashamed to praise me in public. Woo, it hit me like a ton of bricks. He said, you're ashamed to praise me in public. He said, I hung and died for you in public, but you won't praise me in public. When I heard that, I jumped off that treadmill and took off shouting and playing at Fitness. People headed for the locker room. They thought it was a terrorist attack. They were out. I mean, I mean, they were out, and I'm shouting and giving God praise in the middle of Planet Fitness. I felt good. You know why? I looked up on the wall, said, no judgment zone. I said, thank God for that. <laughs> thank God for that. And I just learned to praise God wherever I am and don't care about who's watching. Don't care about who might be judging. You know what I tell people? Don't judge my praise. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what it took to get me here. You don't know what God's brought me through in my life. You don't know how he's healed my family. You don't know how he's kept us from danger. You don't know how he's blessed us in the midst of a mess. And when people see you shouting and they see you dancing, they don't understand why. If they knew where you came from, they'd be dancing too. If they knew what God had done, they'd be shouting too. Does anybody else in this house have a testimony of God's goodness? in your life. Would you lift your hands and give him some praise in here? Hallelujah. Promotion comes from the Lord. If I'll put him first, he'll put me first. Glory to God. I made up my mind, I'm walking in love toward him first. You know why? Because I'm believing that my family is gonna see my example, but also benefit from my faithfulness. I stand here before you tonight I turned 40 this year, but I'm not here blessed just because of my own faithfulness. I look back. My grandfather pastored for 62 years in the assemblies of God. My grandmother, faithful, faithful. She's still alive. She's 90 this year. Still kicking. I mean, she's a strong woman. And she's anointed. And she's a woman of prayer, woman of worship, woman of the word. My grandfather was a powerful preacher, but he made a vow to God. He said, "Lord, for the rest, if you'll keep my boys from this world system, I'll serve you for the rest of my life." Nobody thought he'd be a Christian, let alone a preacher. He was a hillbilly, roughneck. I'm talking about roughneck. He ran moonshine through the hills, fighting. Family was coal miners and fighters, and just tempers. And nobody thought, you know, in the in the winter back then, you know, people used to have one room schoolhouse churches. If you remember that, and uh, he'd climb up on the on the roof of that schoolhouse church in the winter, and he'd stuff blankets into the chimney and smoke them all out. And they think this guy Shuttlesworth again. He's never he'll never come to Jesus, let alone be a preacher. But then God got a hold of him, turned his life around went to Bible school, got into the ministry, met my grandmother. She was a potato farmer from northern Maine. And they got together, and they'd go down to Virginia. He'd preach on the boardwalk by the ocean. She'd play the uh, the accordion and sing, and he'd preach on the boardwalk. And they said, you know what? If you'll keep our boys from this world system, I'll serve you for the rest of my life. He had four sons, Ted, Tim, Tiff, and Terry, all four of them, are preachers to this day, full-time ministry, Pastoring or evangelizing somewhere in this nation tonight. And then every one of their children went into full-time ministry. And today, I can tell you, there's like 18 Shuttlesworths preaching the gospel. We're like Holy Ghost cockroaches. You can't get rid of us. Just keep on going. And it's not because of me. It's because of faithfulness that went on before me. And I'm benefiting today from third-generation faith. And I thank God every day for those that went on ahead of me that were faithful to God. Do you know what they did? They stored up favor in heaven for me and my family. Do you know that's a scriptural principle? You can store up favor for the next generations. I was reading the story of King David, and the Bible says he spent his whole life fighting for God. I mean, he fought, started with lions and bears, went to a giant After he killed that giant, he and his mighty men went and killed the rest of the giants. Made them extinct. And then he became a king, subdued a nation. And then he subdued many nations. And a man that fought that much, you'd have thought he'd have died in battle. But you know how he died? Old age. Got to the end of his life, he'd fought for God, and he still had a heart for God. He said, Lord, I want to build your temple. God said, you can't build my temple because you've shed too much blood. He said, but your son Solomon will build my temple. He said, but here's what I'm going to do for you. You can read this in 1 Chronicles chapter 22 when you get home. He said, because you have fought and won throughout your whole life, your son, the next generation, will spend his reign in peace. From his surrounding enemies. You know what he was saying? You won battles that your children will never have to fight. There's people in this room tonight. God's brought you out of stuff. You've been delivered from things. I can't in your encourage you. The battles you've won, the fights that you fought, and the victories you hold in your hands. Your kids will never have to deal with the same stuff you dealt with. They'll never have to go through the same things you went through. God has stored up favor for your next generation. I started reading down the line in the Old Testament. Everybody knows that the Bible calls David a man after God's own heart. But do you know, David was so faithful to God, even though he made mistakes, yeah, he made mistakes, but he was so faithful to God that the Bible says he just kept storing up favor. And I find this interesting because, my opinion, you can see it in the Word, David died before he could reap all of his heavenly benefits. He had so much favor stored up that he died in his natural life before he could receive all of the harvests or the benefits. And you know how I know that? I started reading in the book of 2 Kings chapter 19, and I was reading about an evil Syrian king whose name was Sennacherib, and he surrounded Judah where King Hezekiah was there. And he started sending in threatening letters, mocking the God of heaven. He said, you think your God's really going to save you from us? You really think your God can protect you from me and my army? Other nations thought that too. And we killed their men, took their women and children into slavery, tore down their temples and their altars, and your God will be no different. Whoo! When Hezekiah got that letter, he ran it into the temple and said, God, you got some mail today. <laughs> And then he began to praise and worship God for his power and his goodness and asked him to stretch forth his mighty right hand. And even though 185,000 soldiers surrounded the city, God sent down one angel. But here's the real crux of the matter. Israel was not really serving God like they should have been at the time. So when God responded to Hezekiah's prayer, he says this to him. Oh, I'm gonna help you, but not for your sake. He said, I'll do it for my name's sake, but also for my servant David's sake. Oh, man. Woo. Woo. Read about it in 2 Kings 19. I said, I'll do it for my name's sake and for my servant David's sake. I said, hold up, David's sake? And I went down and did the history of it. You know when God said that to Hezekiah? Check this out. David had been dead for 305 years. You go 305 years later, and he's still got an account in heaven with favor laid up. And God said, you may not be in position for a blessing, but I can't stop blessing because David's already laid up favor for generation after generation after generation. And I'll pour out blessings. I'll protect your children because of David who stored up favor. Somebody shout "Amen." amen. You can store up favor for your kids. You can store up blessing for your family. You know what we're believing? That you might be the first one, even if you were the first one in your family to be saved. You've started a new family tree. Whatever ran through your family before is cut off in Jesus' name. Don't ever say stuff like, well, brother, you know cancer runs in our family. No more. You're under the blood of Jesus now. New family tree. You've been brought into the kingdom of God. Woo! If you belong to Christ, you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Woo, I'm not who I used to be. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. I'm not an old sinner saved by grace. I don't talk like that. Well, yeah, brother, you know, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. Show me that in the Bible. Where's that in the Word? How many know? As many as, if any man be in Christ, he's an old sinner saved by grace. That's not what the Bible says, it says he's a new creation old things are passed away. That means they're dead and gone. And behold, all things have become new. That'll make you shout right there. That the stuff you used to be is no longer hanging on your life. God wiped your record clean. Hallelujah. And you are now part of the body of Christ. That right there is a revelation. That if people got a hold of that, they would not let the devil harass them a day longer. Think about it. If I came in here for the very first time, I would not introduce myself to you and say, good to be here with you tonight in the church. I want to just introduce myself. Never been here before. My head's Ted. My arms are Richard and Daryl. My legs, I got Sean over here. No, they're not all different members. It's all Ted. The arms are Ted. The legs are Ted. The feet are Ted. I got a son that likes to hide. He likes me to find him. He likes to wrestle. If he went to hide... You know, kids aren't good at hiding. Just in case you didn't know, kids. A lot of some kids. Some there's a little kid over there. Hey, they're gonna get offended by that. Hey, he's talking about us. Um, But you know, kids. They think they they close their eyes. You can't see them. All right, I'm gonna count to ten. You (laughs) hot. I can still see you. And and you go. Sometimes that's good. You you can see them. Their their feet are still sticking out from the bed. Their hands are behind the closet door. You can see them. Well, if he went outside that door and stuck his hands, and we said, All right, nine, 10. You say, oh, I see Teddy right there. I see his. You say, well, no one in here is going to correct me. like, Well, you don't actually see Teddy. You just see his fingers. No, he is his fingers. He is his toes. He is his legs. He is his arms. Oh, hallelujah. And see, when you get this, Paul taught, he said, each one of you are members in particular of the body of Christ. He's the head, but you're the arms. You're the legs. You are the voice. You are the fingers. You are the toes, which means if you're part of the body, you've been made one with Jesus Christ, which means what devil has enough authority to harass Jesus Christ because if he's coming against you, he's coming against Christ because you've been placed inside the body. Somebody shout amen. You can store up favor for your kids. And Psalm 115 where I had you turn like 35 minutes ago so I hope you appreciated my introduction. The Bible says here I'm just kidding. Three people fainted in the back. Psalm one fifteen. <laughs> I thought he was about done. <laughs> no, we had the ushers lock the doors on the way out. The uh, Bible, the Bible says. <laughs> verse. Uh, let's go to. Let's go to verse number twelve. Uh, Psalm one fifteen, and verse number twelve. We'll read down a couple verses here. Bible says the Lord. Has remembered us. Thank you, Jesus. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. Now, some of read that and say, Well, see, that's just talking about the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. But I just read to you Galatians 3:29 or quoted it: that if you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and your heirs according to the promise. I'm part of the family now. I might have been born a Gentile in the natural. But when I got saved, I was brought into the body of Christ. I became Abraham's family. The same prophecies. You know, that's what nobody understood in the Old Testament. God said to Abraham, 430 years before the law was given, and 13 years before the covenant of circumcision even came about, He said, All of the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. That was a prophecy that not just the Jews would be blessed, but every Gentile nation would be blessed because of the prophecy that came to Abraham, the promise that came to Abraham. Thank God that he sent Christ Jesus so that that promise could be fulfilled, so that now even if you weren't born a Jew, you have access into the presence of God, you got access into the family of God, and if you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed. Don't tell me when I read these blessings, Don't tell me that the Old Testament's not relevant for Christians. Don't tell me that you can't read these blessings. So that wasn't written to you, brother. That's written to Old Testament people. No. The Bible says in Hebrews that we have a better covenant established upon better promises. So you can't read me something from the Old Testament and say, see how good God was to them back then? Well, that was just for them. He doesn't do those same things now. No, he does not change. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever, Look what the Bible says. It says he'll bless the house of Israel. He'll bless the house of Aaron. Now look at verse 13 though. And he'll bless those who fear the Lord. Anybody in the house fear the Lord? Yeah. Then the blessing's for you. And the Bible says both the small and the great. Glory to God. Both those that have been to the gym and those that are still getting free from Taco Bell like myself. The small and the great. I'm just giving God praise because a few weeks ago, I couldn't have even buttoned this coat. If I would have, that button in the middle would have become a weapon of mass destruction. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You don't want to button that. That thing lets go. Somebody's losing an eye. But he said the small and the great. Look at this. The Bible says, may the Lord give you increase. (sighs) Somebody say, that's me. Somebody say, that's me. Look at this, you and your children. And may you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. Go back about three Psalms to Psalm 112. Let me read you a few verses here. And in a moment, we're gonna pray for you. We're gonna anoint you with oil, Lord. And I'm gonna explain why in a minute. But Psalm 112, verses one through three, then we'll read verse 10. Look at this, praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord who greatly delights in his commandments. His offspring, somebody shout my offspring. Let's make this personal tonight. My offspring, my kids, my grandkids will be what? Mighty in the land. I expect our children to be head and shoulders above the rest. Oh, yes, I do. I expect the children of the righteous to be head and shoulders above the rest. I expect your grandkids to be head and shoulders above the rest. Say why. Because they are the generation of the upright. Your offspring, they will be mighty in the land, and they'll be blessed. Verse 3, wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Go to verse 10. Now, we're not talking just about natural wealth. Bro. You know you know, you're talking about? It's just spiritual, brother. That's just talking about spiritual, that you'll be spiritually wealthy because you're a part of God. No, no, no. It's going to have to be something that can be seen outwardly or else verse 10 would not be true. The wicked man will see it and become angry. He will gnash his teeth and melt away, and the desire of the wicked shall perish. Can I give you a word? Never apologize for your blessing. Oh, there's plenty of people even in the body of Christ that'll try to make you feel guilty because God blessed you. They'll wait for you in the parking lot. Got a new truck, did you? (laughs) Must be nice. Mm, Must be real nice. You know what you should say? It's very nice. Very nice. Come smell inside. It's like the new car smell. Come smell the leather. It is very, very nice. (laughs) Oh, they'll try to make you feel bad because God's blessing you. But it's not because he's just only sovereignly picked you to bless. He'd bless them too. He'll bless anybody that comes, and by faith, it dedicates themselves to his word. Amen. Oh, they'll try to make you feel bad. Must be nice. Oh, got yourself a new house, did you? Hmm. Things must be going on good over there at Bethany Billings. Uh Uh-huh. See, that pastor's wearing himself a nice watch on his wrist over there. I don't know. The preacher should have a watch that nice, to be honest with you. You know, then they talk about you, and then there's vaguely worded Facebook posts, and before everything's said and done, they're done. I can't go over there anymore. I, that pastor down there preaching that prosperity gospel over Huh? And then they'll just, you know what it is? They're just getting angry. People getting angry. It's not me that did it. God is the one who brings the increase. I said, God brings the increase. I said, God brings the increase. Let me tell you something that blows people's minds. God wants your children to be blessed. I said, he wants your children to have more than enough. Do you think God wants to bless your children less than you want to bless them? No, Jesus taught this in Matthew chapter 7. He said, which of you, earthly fathers, that if your child asked you for a fish, you'd give him a serpent? He said, or if they asked you for a loaf of bread, would you give them a stone? He said, no. He said, you know how to give good gifts to your children. He said, but how much more does your heavenly Father know how to give good gifts to those that ask him? God loves to bless his children. He loves to bless his children. He loves to bless his children. Can you say amen? Oh, yeah. Do you think it's God's will for you to stand for 45 minutes at the checkout and clip coupons while people's facial hair is growing out behind you because you've been standing there for so long? I know those green beans are 719, but I got a coupon here, brings them down to 350. It's like, brother, I I mean, you stand, and then you got people that are standing up there just waiting and waiting. God wants you to be blessed. You don't have to shout, but I'm gonna preach it again. God wants you to be blessed. Listen, if your kids want Cheerios, you shouldn't have to bring home Toastios. Huh? If your kids want to eat Fruit Loops with two cans Sam on the box, you shouldn't have to reach down under to the clear bags and get Fruity Rings. That has like a sloth on the front smoking a crack pipe. You shouldn't have to Mom, what are those? I want Fruit Loops, baby. Those are Fruity Rings. They taste the same. Just throw some milk on it. Huh? God wants to bless your family. I said God wants to bless your family. Don't go into a place and say, well, I, we can't afford that. You know what I found out? People talk about stuff, and they say they can't afford things. You actually question them, and some of the stuff, they don't even know how much it costs. There was a guy one time told us, he thought oh, we don't go into that restaurant. It's too pricey in there, too expensive. Really, how much does it cost to eat in there? Well, I don't know. We don't go in there. I said, just- <laughs> they don't even go in. Huh? Don't sit in a place where you... You... Don't be the place where you doubt the provision power of God and say, we don't have the ability to do that. No, you serve a provider. He's able to bless you. He's able to take you into the overflow. He wants your kids to have the best. He wants your grandkids to have the... Don't tell me that it should be some sinner at the school that has the best shoes and the best clothes, and your kid has to come in looking ashamed because they got hand-me-downs for three generations, stuff that hadn't been in style since Starsky and Hutch was on air, and you're sitting there wondering, I thought you said God was good. How come I got these jeans from Cousin Earl? It's like, what in the world? God wants to bless. God wants to bless your family. God doesn't want you constipated on government cheese. God wants to bless your family. Huh? I'm telling you the truth. God wants to bless your family. There's a difference between surviving and thriving. God doesn't want you to barely get by scraping the bottom of the barrel and trying to make it. That's not the God you serve. He's a God that knows how to bless his faithful people, knows how to bless his children, knows how to bless his loved ones. Glory to God. Oh, yeah, I I found out the difference. There's a difference, man, between, between barely getting by, surviving, and thriving. When I went to Bible school out in Oklahoma, my mom was so good to me, I didn't know how to do a thing. I couldn't cook a thing. I had to learn from scratch. So I did what every bachelor does. I went to Walmart and went to the frozen food section. I got some ramen noodles first, then I went and got some tombstone pizzas and got some, I found something called Steakums. And I said, man, that looks good on the box. Brought it home. If you're not familiar with Steakums, it's like a cardboard product that looks like meat and tastes like meat. And then you put it in the pan, fry it up, it turns somehow magically into like steak. And I I fried it up and I made the mistake. I ate the whole thing. You talk about being quickly dehydrated. The sodium just took all liquids out of my body, shriveled like a grape turned into raisin. I mean, it's like, my God, I don't know that that is meat. That's salt with a little cardboard. And I just, it hit me all at once. You know, when you're just trying to get by, we'd buy three Papa John's pizzas at the beginning of the week and just leave them open on the table for the whole seven days. Just take a few pieces when you leave the house to go to class. It's good for you. The bacteria builds your immune system. And I I learned. And then my father, my father, at the end of a revival one time later in life, he took us all and we went to this place. It was a steakhouse that I'd never been to, never heard of before. It was a place called Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. I said, man, I've never heard of this. We went inside. You know, you're trying to act cultured because it's like a nice place. I grew up in West Virginia in a coal mining town. I walked in, you're trying to act, you know, like you know what the deal is. There's like 19 forks on the table. You don't know what that's about. You're sitting there, and they came out, and the guy says to me, he said, what would you like to have for dinner? You know, I want to appear cultured, so I I pointed to it. I said, yes, I'll have the fillet mignon. It's right there. Let me get that fillet Mignon. And I I said, I'm a little hungrier, so bring me the eight Oz, not the six Oz. And so he, out he he came, (laughs) out he came with my fillet Mignon. And when it came out, he said, How do you want it? I said, Medium rare. I'd like to try it medium rare. I didn't know everything there was uh, a la carte. You know, you you order a steak, just a steak comes. That's it. Steak and a plate. That's all you get. And the plate's not edible. I tried it. And (laughs) And there it sat, like, like rays of sunlight hitting this chunk of meat. I mean, it was thick. I cut into that so tender. It was like butter, man. It was like butter. I took a bite of that. I felt like the Hebrews in the wilderness. I said, man, what is this? He said, "Not steak. I said, no, I've, I've had steak. This ain't steak. It's like when I was growing up, my grandmother would take a spatula and press all the juice in a frying pan out of the steak. We don't want no blood in it. I mean, just pre- put the whole body weight on that <laughs> I don't want no blood in it. And you take it, it breaks your molar off just chewing it before. And I tasted that flesh. I said, my God. I said, this is something I've never had. It's like this before. It blew my mind, opened my, my my mind to the possibilities of what steak could be. And then I just had that flash in my mind, kicked me back to Tulsa, Oklahoma to realize this ain't Steakums. Whatever this is right here on this plate at Roots Chris Steakhouse, this ain't Steakums. And see, I'll tell you the truth about it is that the people in the body of Christ, the devil has tried to deceive them into believing they have to go through their Christian life on steakums when God's called you to eat a two-inch thick filet every day of your life in the kingdom of God because he wants to bless you to abundance and to the overflow. He wants your kids to abound. He wants your grandkids to abound because he's a provider and he is good. Somebody shout Amen. To the point where the wicked man will see it and get angry. I get happy when sinners get angry over the blessing of the righteous. It makes me happy. They will grind their teeth in anger. Grind them down, baby. Grind them to nubs till we got to get you dentures. Just keep on grinding. You know, the Bible says in in Psalm 23, he said, God will prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. How? Look, everybody wants everybody to like them all the time. I need some enemies. I got empty seats at my table. He provided a table before me, prepared it in the presence of my enemies. Do you think he provided that so your enemies could sit there and eat with you? No. He's not blessing those that curse you, but you know what the, what the deal is? You sit down It's a table, but it's got one place setting. A lot of chairs, but one place setting. You know why? Because every person that mocked you and said you were crazy for believing that he's a healer, believing that he's a provider, believing that he's the baptizer and the Holy Ghost, believing that he's a soon coming king. They mocked this word. They mocked your faithfulness. God's not going to let you get mocked in public and take you into some shadowy corner somewhere to bless you and your family. He'll sit you right out in front of everybody that said it could not happen and he'll bless you in front of every mocker, in front of every person that said it can't be done, I'm telling you, get ready, because the end of this year is going to be a glorious few months before we hit 2023, because God has plans to bless his people. I can't wait. Let them keep saying negative stuff on the news. Let them keep saying there's going to be a food shortage. Let them keep saying that the supply chain's shutting down. Let them keep saying inflation's keeping on going and that we're in a recession and you won't be able to get fuel. Let them say it and say it and say it and let them even try to do it. Because when God blesses us in the midst of that nonsense, nobody will sweep it under the rug. Nobody will say it's a coincidence. It'll be supernatural. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody shout amen. Amen. Woo! So we're going to pray tonight in just a moment. Why? Because we're going to believe that the Spirit of the Lord will come mightily upon your family. Mightily. Mightily. Let me tell you, I'm thanking God. If you're willing to work the Word of God, the Word will work for you. I was thanking God. You know, I'll thank God for other people's blessings. I love it. I love seeing it. I was giving God thanks today, along with my cousin, who had a miracle took place today. He just launched a church just nine months ago in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Just launched it. And today, they broke the 1,000 in attendance mark. Hallelujah. God blessed them. They had 92 salvations this morning, baptized 40-some people in water, and just a couple of days ago, they rented the Pittsburgh Riverhound Stadium for a three-day outreach, had over 3,000 people in attendance, and they had eight hundred and some salvations on the first night, six hundred and some salvations on the second night. I didn't count the Sunday that they finished up, but by the time they were done, that today, after launching a brand new church from nothing nine months ago, they had over a thousand people sitting on the field today, listening and receiving the word of God. I'm telling you, miracles are taking place. Apparently, nobody pulled him aside and told him, "Well, you know, brother, that stuff doesn't really work around Pittsburgh. People are spiritually cold in this area of the country." You know, it doesn't matter where you go, I'm an evangelist. Every pastor you come in contact with tells you the same thing about their area. Well, you know in this area, it's kind of people are it's kind of cold and people aren't really that on fire. Every city of every place I've ever been, pastors say the same exact thing. And it's not that people are spiritually cold, it's that the anointing has to move and stir people up, but you got to go after souls like you never have because it's not that you're telling me that what are we in a season now where God can't move? What Are we in a season now where the power of God no longer works? No. It's that we've got to bear our teeth down and say, I don't care what's going on in this world. We're going to have revival no matter what the devil said, no matter what the spirit of this world is doing. We're going to have a move of the almighty God. If you believe it, shout amen. And we're going to pray in a moment because we're expecting your children to be blessed, your family to be blessed. I want you to lift a hand say this with me. Say, thank you, Lord, that I will not look like what other people look like in this generation. I'll not experience the same crises that others are experiencing. It's not coming into my home. It's not coming on to my family because of my covenant with Jesus Christ. Let me finish here. I'll have Carl and the wonderful team come and help me in just a moment. But in 1 Samuel 13, or excuse me, 1 Samuel 16, God is getting ready to choose a new king for Israel. That king is David. And he calls the prophet Samuel to go and anoint the new king. But Samuel didn't know who the new king was going to be. He just told him, go to Jesse's house. For I've anointed a new king and chosen him from Jesse's house. Jesse had eight sons, had to be one of them. And so the prophet Samuel shows up with his flask of oil, ready to see who the new king is. And here's the interesting thought. Even David's dad didn't believe in him because he called his seven oldest sons in, left the youngest one out in the field. You know what he was essentially saying? Well, if there's going to be a king in my household, it'll be, it'll be one of the, it won't be David. Won't be David. Let's just leave him out with the sheep. But he stood before every son. Samuel looked at him. No, it ain't him. No, it ain't him. And he, he wasn't going to be fooled by their appearance. Big, strong, warriors, handsome. Nope, it ain't him. You know why? Because man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. Aren't you glad about that? I said, aren't you glad about that? God doesn't pick the same people that men pick. I like what one preacher said one time, I'll, I'll take it. You know how preachers do. It's like the first time they use your material, they say, it's like Brother Richard says, and then the second time, it's like I heard a preacher say one time, and then the third time, it's like I've always said. <laughs> but, but, but I heard a preacher one time, he said, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. That'll get you shouting to know that no matter where you came from, doesn't matter what side of the tracks you grew up on. doesn't matter what your background is. That if you're faithful to God and his word, he'll qualify you for what he's called you to do. Somebody shout, I'm pre-qualified. Hallelujah. When you come into the kingdom and you get the power of God in your life, you're pre-qualified to be used by God. And David was the one God chose. And this is what the Bible says. That when he finally got to the one that it was God chosen, he said, I'll not sit down until you bring him into the house. Finally, he comes in, and the Bible says David stepped into the room. In verse 12 of 1 Samuel 16, and he sent and brought him in, and he was ruddy and he had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Verse 13, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, the ones that mocked him the ones that didn't think he was enough, the ones that just a few chapters later when he shows up on the battlefield with Goliath, said, what are you doing here? Who's watching the sheep? You're just running your mouth. You're not a soldier. You're just a little boy. Go home. They still didn't believe in him. He said he anointed him in the midst of his brothers. Glory to God. And the Bible says, took that horn of oil and did that, and the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that Day forward. It was only a few verses later. He shows up in King Saul's court with his harp. And King Saul's mind is being troubled by an evil spirit. And David, after his moment of anointing, just starts to play on the harp. And as he's playing, the evil spirit has to leave Saul's mind. What I'm telling you is that when God puts his anointing on your family, that every wicked thing has to run from you. You resist the devil, he will flee from you. I said he'll flee from you. And I'll tell you, when you look in the Word of God, there are three things we see that happen when they anoint with oil. In the Old Testament, they said, take the oil, the anointing oil, and anoint the table and the temple and the elements and the Ark of the Covenant. And they said, not only are they being consecrated and set apart, but watch, the Bible says, and anything that touches them will be consecrated and set apart. So number one tonight, when we pray for you in a moment, we're believing that as we anoint you and your family with oil, that not only are you consecrated, set apart for God's work, but anyone even your kids come in contact with, they'll not be affected by the outside influence, your kids will be the one affecting them. Your kids, your grandkids, will be the ones carrying the anointing of consecration that'll get off onto somebody else, hallelujah. Number two, you see the anointing with David. What does the Bible say? Not only are they consecrated, but the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him from that day. We're believing that from this night forward that the power of God is going to come mightily upon your family. Doors are going to begin to open. Things are going to begin to quickly change. Blessings are on the way. Why? Because of the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And finally, number three, the Bible says in James chapter five, is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church who will lay their hands upon them and anoint them with oil and the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. What else are we believing? Finally, we're believing that no matter what sweeps through this nation, no matter what's going around the globe, others might be getting it, it might go into other neighborhoods, but it's not coming on your body, it's not coming on your children's body, it's not coming on your grandkids' life. God will supernaturally protect you, God will supernaturally heal you, God will supernaturally set you free, and what the devil thought he could use to destroy your family, it is being destroyed by the mighty power of the Holy Ghost. Can you say aloud, amen? And so in a moment, we're going to pray. We're going to anoint you. I want Sister Carla to come back with the team. We're going to worship the Lord. We're going to praise God. But we're going to receive an anointing tonight from the Holy Ghost and say, from this night forward, things are changing for the better forever in Jesus' name. We refuse to be harassed by the enemy. We refuse to be harassed by the spirit of this world. How many are with me tonight? You say, my family's going to be blessed. My kids are going to be blessed. My grandkids are going to be blessed. And I'm going to tell you, the wickedness that's sweeping through this world, it's not having an effect on our families in Jesus' name. I'm not losing a generation to this anti-Christ junk because we won't stand up in the fire of God. We're setting a precedent that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord in Jesus' name. If that's you and you believe that, stand on your feet, lift your hands to heaven, and begin to thank the Lord for his goodness. Thank the Lord for his mercy. It endures forever. Hallelujah. It endures forever. So tonight, Lord, we thank you for what you're about to do. We thank you that you have a plan to bless us. We thank you that you have a plan to keep us from every wicked thing that the devil's sending in this world right now. We thank you that we will not fall prey to the spirit of this world, that our kids will not be addicted to substances. Our kids will not be addicted to perversion. They'll not be confused about their identity. They'll not be confused about their sexuality. But they'll walk in purity. They'll walk in dominion. They'll walk in authority. They'll walk in the anointing. They'll walk set apart and consecrated. They'll walk in holiness. They'll stand in righteousness in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord. We praise you, Lord, for your goodness, your mercies, thank you for putting your mighty right hand upon our families. Thank you Lord for touching us. Thank you for keeping us from all harm and danger. Thank you Lord that no evil thing will come near our dwelling place. We thank you that you're blessing the work of our hands. We thank you Lord that we'll be head and shoulders above this generation. That we will be abundantly blessed. That the provision of your hand will be upon our lives. In Jesus mighty name. We expect a quick increase. We expect the blessings of heaven in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Those of you that might be watching online, you're believing for this for your family. You're believing for your children. Believing for your grandkids. We send this anointing to you right where you are. I don't care if you want to go to your cupboard, get your own oil, anoint your own family, and receive this blessing where you're watching tonight. In the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, we ask you, set them apart. Consecrate them tonight. Let the power of your spirit come mightily upon them. And I pray you keep them from all sickness, disease, harm, and danger in Jesus' name. We speak to every foul attack of the enemy that would come against families. I rebuke it in Jesus' name. Lose your grip. Let God's people go. Let God's people go. Jesus name here's what we're going to do as they get ready to worship everyone that you want to have hands laid upon you we're going to anoint you with oil we're going to do this in a way that we want we don't want to miss one person and so if we if we can do this and ushers will help me we're going to form one line old school prayer line we're going to do one line that way you can come right across this altar and we're going to pray for you we're going to anoint you with oil believe God for breakthrough can you say amen so here's what I'd like you to do if you don't mind We're gonna start right here, and we're gonna wrap the line that way around the side and the back if we need to. So those of you, if you would, just come and move this way. We'll start right here, we'll face this way, and we'll come right through the altar, and we'll lay our hands upon you and anoint you. You can go ahead and move now as they're worshiping the Lord, and we'll pray for you in just a moment. Go ahead. his face shine upon you and be gracious to you the lord turn his face